Chapter Four of Lancashire Characters and Places by Thomas Newbigging. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Gull Moss. If any of my readers should put up at the Black Bull Inn in the village or hamlet of Presol, which lies to the east across the River Wire at Fleetwood, they will be within a short three miles' walk of Pilling Moss, on a portion of which the black-headed gull during the breeding season builds its nest, incubates, and brings forth its young. Our host of the bull, John Parkinson, as keen a sportsman as one could wish to meet in a day's walk, with an eye like a hawk's, fond of a joke, and withal a neat hand at relating a sporting adventure, no mean accomplishment, undertook one fine morning in May to accompany three friends and the present writer to the famous Gull Moss. The breeding-ground, with its countless winged inhabitants, had often been described to me by those who had paid it a visit, and I was desirous to view for myself a scene that had more than once been represented as wonderful in the extreme. After partaking of a substantial breakfast, and being each furnished with a walking-stick and such collecting-gear as was befitting our several tastes, we started for the moss. Passing through the village which is built on rising ground, we shortly found ourselves on the summit of a grassy knoll or mound of considerable size, the only eminence for miles around, and dignified by the name of Presall Hill. Looking at the end of this elevation from below, one is immediately struck with its appearance in front. The sea at one time seems to have washed its sides as they rise almost perpendicularly from the surrounding level slightly jutting over as coast rocks may often be found apparently gazing into the silvery element admiring their hoary slopes with moss and lichens overgrown traversing the side of the hill we emerged into the high road which like all the roads in this level district has a ditch on each side into which the water from the adjacent land drains and overflowing is carried in numberless rivulets to the neighbouring sea Buckbean, watermint, and cresses flourish here luxuriantly, and may be had for the gathering. We were careful to secure a supply of the latter for home consumption. The croaking of the innumerable frogs which haunt the marshes, to one unused to such sounds, is a rich treat. To me the chorus was as strange as the notes of the nightingale, and if not as melodious, yet quite as full of interest. I can easily imagine, however, that the noise of their unmusical throats is a profound nuisance to those who live in the neighbourhood, as it ceases not from dusk to early dawn. Footnote. Since the present sketch was written, the writer has resided in Brazil, where the variety of the species is something remarkable. There is the whistling frog, the barking frog, the howling frog, the whirring frog, and most singular of all, the talking frog. This latter may be heard to say, my father is king, my father is king, while another will answer interrogatively, who is your father? The reply being, my father is king. This, of course, is spoken in Portuguese, the language of the frog, as of the people of that country. In the marshy districts, the sounds commence shortly after sundown, and continue far into the night, as loud as a babel of human tongues. The noise emitted is not as discordant as might be supposed, and singular to say, it even becomes agreeable on lengthened acquaintance. Certain it is that the quietude and stillness of an English night were oppressive to me on my return home. The ditches also, and the larger pools, harbour eels in great abundance and of large growth. 
our guide who is an adept at the art of spearing these creatures by beating the surface of the water immediately produced an unusual commotion underneath bubbles of air were seen rising in half a dozen places caused by the eels boring for security into the mud at the bottom quick as lightning the spear was plunged into the water where a succession of air bells was rapidly rising and on its withdrawal an eel of large size caught by the neck wriggled and struggled to free itself from the steel saw-like teeth of the spear that held it with merciless tenacity the process was repeated again and again each of us trying our hand with varying success until we had secured sufficient spoil for a dinner that a lord might envy great dexterity and precision and no little practice are required in handling this same spear to advantage particularly when as in ponds the eels strike at a distance from the margin in that case the instrument is thrown a distance it may be of six or eight yards vigorously home the left hand holding the end of the line attached to the handle for the purpose of withdrawing the spear from the mud with the tyro success is the exception but in the hands of a practised sportsman like our host to make the attempt was to achieve his object he never threw away a chance speaking of ditches an anecdote which our guide related amused me it is a favourite pastime or trick i should rather call it among the farm lads in this neighbourhood when they meet with a johnny raw in the shape of a newcomer of their own class to boast to him of the superior strength of tomcats in that particular locality and if they can contrive to inveigle the verdant youth into making a bet on the subject a piece of rich sport ensues a case of the kind occurred the day previous a lubberly cow lad had swallowed the bait having laid a wager that he would drag across any of the ditches the strongest tom they could match against him the hour arrived for deciding the trial of strength the neighbouring farm servants mustered strongly to witness the contest puss was brought into the arms of one of the chief promoters a stout cord tethered loosely around his middle and as he winked knowingly at his human opponent the latter seemed to harbour considerable misgivings as to the successful issue of the struggle not to be daunted however he permitted the other end of the cord to be securely fastened round his waist and arranged himself back to the ditch to put forth all his energies at the proper moment no sooner was the signal for action given than two stout fellows seized the cord puss having already been set at liberty and in the midst of shouts of pull thy great leather yed pull and sundry vigorous thrusts and pokes from the bystanders the unfortunate clown was dragged bodily through the ditch to the intense satisfaction and amusement of the clodhoppers assembled pilling moss on a portion of which the gulls are to be found is an immense tract of uncultivated undrained moorland thickly overgrown with moss and rushes and other rank herbage large quantities of peat are annually cut from it and the supply of that fuel seems almost inexhaustible on some parts of the moor extensive clearings occur spaces free from the rank vegetation referred to but covered with a close-shaven carpet of dark green moss and dwarf grass level as a bowling green and daintier and more springy to the tread than the richest tapestries of turkey hares and rabbits and their ancient enemy the weasel tenant the moor abundantly and the marks of the polecat's claws may be traced on the beaten tracks the breeding place of the gulls as near as one may judge is from two to three acres in extent and assumes very nearly the circular form 
the gulls never occupy exactly the same plot of land for two years together but regularly shift their quarters on the moss as we approach their rendezvous the birds in myriad rose upwards in the air their peculiar caw caw cawing repeated incessantly from so many eager throats sounding unusual and strange in the highest degree as we drew nearer the babble of tongues grew louder and louder until the entire winged inhabitants of the moss were wheeling and cawing and screaming in the air the number of nests on the ground is almost incredible within a circle of not more than a yard in diameter i counted not fewer than half a score and yet with that unerring instinct the working of which we can appreciate without being able to explain every bird knows its own possession nor obtrudes upon the domicile of its neighbour to walk forward into the centre of the breeding-ground without crushing the contents of the nests is a task of difficulty requiring no little circumspection the eggs of which there are from two to four in each nest are in general of a brown colour streaked or spotted with a darker shade of brown somewhat resembling tortoise-shell a few are of a yellowish cast with marks approaching to blue others again have a blue ground and are clouded with patches of dark grey many of the young birds had emerged from their shelly prison and others were busy chipping their way out the young birds in colour resemble the brown eggs as near as may be they have not the faintest likeness to their parents the latter being of a snowy white except their black heads which seem as though they had been dipped in ink by the uninitiated the future transformation of the fledglings could scarcely be guessed carefully picking our way we reached the very centre of the breeding-ground and what a strange unusual sight gulls to the right of us gulls to the left of us gulls in front of us gulls to the rear of us gulls overhead of us gulls 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 myriads of black-headed white-bodied gulls and all caw caw cawing as though a contest were going on which should caw the loudest we were in a perfect dome of gulls as though it were a vast amphitheatre tremulous with life the fanning of innumerable wings produced a mysterious motion of the air accompanied by a murmurous sound as of a distant waterfall and the sensation to the eye was as though the clouds were belching forth a storm of colossal snowflakes that fell not but kept up a continuous eccentric whirling dance overhead to stoop down and handle the eggs or young birds was the signal for louder noises still and some of the gulls were even bold enough to brush past us as though attempting to strike with their wings the reader may probably be ready to ask is it compatible with cleanliness and propriety to be placed in such a perilous position beneath the tails of so many unscrupulous fowls tell it not in gath the inevitable downfall cannot be eluded that is one of the penalties that await the curious sightseer at the gull moss however this drawback is made the best of by being turned into a source of merriment the first man of the company dropped on forfeits five shillings to be spent for the mutual benefit of all on this occasion our friend rufus was the unlucky individual though i tell it in confidence arrangement had previously been made secretly to bring about this desirable end a neatly aimed dottle from behind settled the business while a general guffaw announced the result having each selected a few of the eggs for preservation we returned to pressall highly gratified by our visit to the gull moss end of chapter four